You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's gonna be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, and live from twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. As we sit here to go over a game that I think has taken out a lot of wind from the sails of people across the greater Detroit metro area and this whole state of Michigan and parts of Ohio too, and across the entire Lions international nation. So buckle up. We've got uh, to dissect this one a little bit. I've already uh, poured over everything and uh, the prognostication is not going to be good. But we are compelled to do this because we are the POD cast and I am Christopher Fett, your adequate host for seven some years here at at Christopher Fett on Twitter. Let's bring in the crew real quick. We're uh, on a bit of a time crunch on this one. So at Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, producer, managing editor, at Detroit Online, who is uh, feeling it right now? How, how's it going, Jeremy? It's uh, it's not great. Um, a little sleep deprived. Was kind of hoping these kind of podcasts where I would more dread than uh, be excited for. We're kind of in the past. Um, but that that was for for a game in which the Lions scored forty. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think that was the least fun game ever that the Lions have scored 45 points in ever. Well, we'll get to that. I think they, uh, it was, it as always, somehow it's still complimentary to every other game they've played under the Dan Campbell era, which is like, Oh, Hey, my heart's pounding by the end. And yet at the same time, it was, uh, it was, it was brutal too, but let's get to the third man, the man, my guy, Ryan Matthews. Black is the mother senior editor at Ryan underscore POD Ryan uh, gut check. Yeah. I uh, just to build on Jeremy's point, 
like for all the points that the Lions scored today, at no point did it ever feel like they were going to win this football game. And maybe that's what was the most fun sucking element of this game was like, Hey, the Lions just gave up another touchdown, but you know what? They're only down by two scores and their offense is probably going to go back out and score some more points to put them just close enough to do it all over again. The Seahawks were the bully who had the, you know, he he had the, the, the snack just out of reach, the ball just out of reach. And you could not jump up high enough to get it. Cause he's got about two feet on you. I, I, I felt like, <laughs> I felt like the Seahawks had like stick glove shirt. Like they had the lions just like in, in absolute confusion to keep this within All football. Let's keep this in football terms. This was Lucy and we were Charlie Brown. It's like, you almost had it. You almost okay. had it this time. Get it back out there. Quite literally, except Charlie Brown got to kick the ball a couple times. Well, so did Everly. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough beating around this bush. Let's just get right to it because, uh, man, if I had told you guys we had a thousand yards from scrimmage for both teams and that the Lions had 45 points, I think in most universities we say that was that we would feel good about that. Unfortunately, the Lions have to play both sides of the ball, and this game ends 48-45. to The Seattle Seahawks, by the way, have scored 47 points in their first three games. This is also the first game in their history where they never punted. So I want to do immediate takeaways, and then we have to get to the uh, giant Aaron Glenn-led elephant in the room that is the defense. But I feel like there's some angst here, so I just want to, I want to get it out because apparently, according to Twitch, I am the uh, psychiatrist of the of of the chat here so jeremy let's let's get to you first you feel like you've got something hanging dark over your soul i mean i I, when people are are summoning and almost almost yearning for the days of matt patricia's defense you know that we're in some dark freaking times right now um and it, it it's hard to disagree because i look at this performance and really the performance of the last two weeks and i can't point to anything anything that's going right on defense right now like, I guess the one thing you could cling to through the three through three weeks was Jeff Okuda, and he got beat pretty handily by DK Metcalf. And listen, that's going to happen. DK Metcalf is a, is a good player. I'm not I'm not down on Jeff Okuda, but that was the one thing that we could hang our head on. Defensive line, nothing today. Linebackers, just completely like like they've never seen play action before. Corners, they're put on an island a lot, and they did not come out. They sunk. Um, and then. Kirby Joseph goes out there, starts his first game, and gives up a touchdown in the very first drive. Gut punches all around. I don't know where I like. I, I'm I'm guessing there are a lot of people listening to this on Monday morning, so saying like, okay, that sucked, but you know, the POD guys, they're going to be reasonable. They're going to bring me down. I I've got nothing for you. That was I think we are the being most, reasonable. That was the most pathetic defensive performance I've ever seen. Period. Yeah, no, this was a college football score and the Lions were on the tail end of it. And the problem is, is like, I would understand a college football score, but, and I hate to bring it down to it, but like, I hate, I hate to Jersey scout, but we are talking about the Seattle Seahawks here. We are talking about a Geno Smith led offense. And yet they seem to have the exact blueprint to just gash up this Lions defense every chance. Like no offense. Good. There was a reason why he was included in that package to Seattle from Denver. And he did a lot of damage. So did DK Metcalf. So did everyone. And yet there was no answer for any, like that, that was the thing is like running Rashad Penny, no answer. DK Metcalf, no real answer. 
Geno Smith, no real answer. That one stings a lot, Ryan. So what's your what's your takeaway, Ryan? Because I can't even talk about the offense right now. Like I just it it's I'm so hyper focused on the defense with what's happened here. Yeah. There, I mean, it's hard not to just focus on the defense and where you go from here, because this was even a game that like, even by some grace of God that the Detroit lions ended up winning this game. I, I think we would all have the same tenor right now. I think we would all have the same, like, dude, this defense has so far to go. We would say so they got away with go. one. Yeah. I mean, I would say that they got, they got away with robbery. Like, that's what I mean about Jeremy's point about Lions scoring 45 points. And this was being like the least entertaining game is like, it didn't feel like there were any stakes because as soon as Seattle got the ball, they were doing something on offense all the time. And and the one thing that they did ad nauseum that just drove me nuts. And it's probably going to be my takeaway from the Seahawks game is that they ran like Lloyd Carr's 1997 offense. Like the, the boot action to the tight end that's leaking as Jeremy said, like the linebackers were nowhere to be found. Like the, the lions defense at the second and third, I, I, it's hard to even just say the second and third level. It, it was all levels. It was everybody like everybody. I mean, if the lions are going to quote unquote, you know, bury another defensive tape, like this would have to be it because this was far. I thought this was far worse than the Eagles game. The, the Eagles game was just a matter of Detroit showing up and not wanting to be physical last year. Like this game, it just seemed like, why are why does it seem like everybody's so unprepared? I mean, this is what happens when you've created a a very static identity on defense. Stop or, the run, right? Yeah, you 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 have these downhill crashing linebackers that are just like they're shooting gaps. That's their first thing, and then everything else is secondary. And so when you start running play action, it seems it sounds very simple, and I think it's because it is. Well, then suddenly these like over aggressive linebackers are going to be in bad positions because. They've been told to be very aggressive and downhill and they get beat. And then when you say, you know, when you say, okay, that's fine. We'll just, we'll just put our corners on these guys and and hopefully they'll, they'll hold up. Well, I'm sorry, but your corners are nowhere near as good as Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Yeah. And and I think to that point too, though, Jeremy, like I know the, the person whose head is getting put on the chopping block right now is Aaron Glenn and, and, and everybody is wondering what, he's doing and and what he's not able to get out of this defense. But I I think that with all things considered, like there were even plays where it was Seattle third and four and the corners are playing like 10 yards off. Yeah. Like there were, there were just like simple, like, I mean, rudimentary things that it's just like the players aren't necessarily getting put in the position to be successful. The um, I think that's incredibly true given how many chunk plays just happen where you'd have these third and 12s where it's like, oh, the Lions haven't buried. And wait, wait, it's a touchdown. It's a touchdown yeah. for Seattle. Like it was what? a lot of it was a lot of like undisciplined plays that I mean, there are so many plays that you can go back to, like Chris Board crashing down and totally taking himself out of the play on um, on a conversion by Seattle. The the third and what, 15, 16, whatever yeah. play, the draw play. 16 one of one of the worst one of the worst displays i've ever seen by a defense in my entire life and like that's not hyperbole right guys that's not no hyperbole. it's not no no this this is the worst defense i've seen in about 10 years i, like, I think this is, this I, is bad. I think i think that's really important too because the lions had some opportunities not a ton opportunities but some opportunities to get off the field i think right seahawks were what nine of 12 i think on third down so 75 percent horrible defensively 
and that's where I think the lines got super out coached. I don't I don't think that was a performance thing. I think like like you mentioned that third and sixteen, that's that's the one that comes after the the redo. You know the the clusterfuck that was that officiating thing where they they have to redo the play. And on yeah. on the play that they ran, the line sent sent a huge blitz, and it got Gino to to throw it away or throw it at a receiver that wasn't even looking. Part of that was because I do think some of the, the Seahawks offense had heard the whistles and stopped playing, but whatever. And so what did the Lions do on the very next play? Third and 16. Same thing they do every third down when they know they're they're going to pass because they can't generate a pass with four pass rushers. Let's send the blitz. And what did the, the Seahawks do? They ran right freaking by it. I right don't through it, man. Right, right through it. it. And, and, right, and here, right through it. And here's what Alex Anzalone had to say. It's a zero beat. It's a zero blitz beater, obviously. So it's kind of what they got us in and kind of shit out of luck when they run it. It's good situational football. Like he's saying, Aaron Glenn put us in a situation where we didn't really have a chance. And that was not the, like every third down that Seattle had, they threw rock, we threw scissors. Like every single time. Do you know what their third down efficiency was? 75%. Nine of 12. I said it. Yes. Yes. Like three or four in the red zone. Everything. I mean, these are all the issues that they've been having in the first three weeks, too, man. And this is, this is where I know I know we may be saving Aaron Glenn talk for later, but this is the part where I start to really wonder about Aaron Glenn. It's not that he can't coach up his players. It's not that he's not a good motivator. I think he's all of those things. I think players get better under him. I think he motivates. I think he's a smart guy. But you have to realize he's doing things that he's never done before he got here, like game planning. Like calling plays, calling plays, yeah, and those are things that he has not done well at yet, at all. Going back to last year, and that's something that I think you really have to like circle and highlight and be like, I'm not, I'm not asking for Dan Campbell to take over play calling. I don't think that benefits anybody, but you you, you can you can give Aaron Glenn a pass for only so long for saying, hey, he's never done this before. Like Ben Johnson's never called plays before, and we're not really talking about him today, are we? I also think there's a limit to how much I, I was, I was, I had two points. It's funny. You bring up the rock paper, the Rochambeau, just because I made that same analogy in the post game. Like you can't, you, you, they knew. And you saw this when Geno Smith started yelling at the sideline too. It's like, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. Checking. Yeah. He yeah, was yeah. Checking like he, he saw che- the zero blitz is coming. Like he I don't want to ever and just destroyed him. I was infuriated by that zero blitz within like less than three minutes to go. There was no reason for that. Like it hadn't been working all game and you're still out here throwing, throwing rock. He knows rock is coming every time. Why are you still throwing rock? Throw a few scissors in there for God's sakes. But that's just what was infuriating about this game and the zero blitzes. They didn't work at all. It was like watching. I I don't know. Like John L. Smith, Michigan state, the zero blitzes don't work. Like it, it's, it's, it was, I've never seen the Lions beat so bad on wanting to be aggressive that their own personality was judo flipped on their head by a man who talks about jet fuel and steel beams. It's who is playing, as Ryan pointed out, worse Neanderthal football than the Lions could ever dream up when it comes to their offense, going right back to pre-West Coast offense days with what with what he's running with what uh, Pete Carroll and his smug face and his useless challenges are running out there. It's absurd. It was obscene. And I'm wondering how much this is on, and this is the question. I mean, maybe we put this in the next segment, but like how much do I divide up the defensive performance between 
The personnel isn't good slash is too young slash has a lot of injuries and how much of it is scheme is play calling is aggression that just kept coming and just kept getting burned and would not adapt at all that they just kept trying to slam the square peg into the round hole over and over and over again. And they couldn't understand why it wasn't going in. I I'm, I'm curious what you guys think as far as dividing that up. Cause I almost see it. I almost want to say 50, 50, but I also know I'm just part of that is just, I'm beyond frustrated with what I was seeing out of the play calling today. Like there was no reason for the amount of zero blitzes that were being brought. Like it just felt like, Oh, we can't get pressure home on this play. Well, next play, let's bring instead of bringing four, let's bring in five. We five doesn't work. Let's bring in seven. And guess what? You you leave Rashad Penny and Metcalf and Lockett and all those guys to run rough shot. I I think, and I want to pass this to Jeremy, but something that stood out to me during the game too was when we did our preview with Mookie from field goals, he mentioned like, yeah, Geno Smith's like not a threat on the ground. Like he's not a guy who's going to be able to carve you up. 15 rushing yards going into this game. 49 rushing yards on seven attempts and a touchdown. We gave a massive glow up to Seattle, a massive glow up. Here's something that I find to be startling is that in the two games where you have quarterbacks who I think a lot of people from the outside would define as being mobile, right? You had Jalen Hurts who just, you know, carved up the lions. And then you have Geno Smith, a guy who for all intents and purposes for people who watch the Seahawks, isn't a guy who's going to be a threat on the ground. And all of a sudden he has this kind of performance. Like I I think that they're starting to emerge a trend. And I think that Detroit's very aggressive defense is causing their defenders to get too far upfield. And they're leaving themselves susceptible to quarterbacks picking up yards on the ground. Like I, I, I promise I'm not trying to pile on, but like I'm having like a vague memory of Kirk Cousins picking up a first down like in, in the Minnesota game. And it's like, yes, it's one play, Ryan. Don't freak out about it. But like, I, I think that there's something to that. I think no that I, I think that the Lions are leaving themselves very susceptible to plays getting extended in the worst possible way. And and what I'm kind of getting hit, sick of hearing is like, Dan Kimball said this a couple times this year, and I know he said it a bunch last year. He's like, oh, well, we didn't see that on tape. Like, they did something we weren't expecting. Okay, yeah, welcome to the NFL. <laughs> yeah. And listen, like... They're, they're always holding cards on you. That, that I mean, that you just, you can't have that happen. You can't just be like, oh, well, we didn't expect that to happen. Like, yeah, that every single week in the NFL, you're the other team is going to have something that you don't see. And guess what? It's probably going to be something that other teams did to you. And that, like, the you could have just, you could have put the Eagles jerseys on on whatever what team did we play today this is how tired i am right now the bird team i don't know all all the bird teams blend together all birds look alike sorry <laughs> Mansoor. um but yeah no i just like they they ran what the eagles ran they had that draw play designed up for geno smith and it and- worked per, to perfection and why do you think they did that because the lions the only time that they can get pressure to the quarterback is when they stay undisciplined to their lanes and you can just scoot right by them and they did it with Geno Smith, not Jalen Hurts. And they ostensibly, like, as you said, Jeremy, off the top, they led wire to wire in this game. Like the Lions, yeah. the Lions tried like hell to catch up and they couldn't because guess why? Because the, 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 the Seahawks never had to punt. They stayed on the field the entire time. If there was any, uh, 
any turnover, it was because of a missed field goal or some de- or, or a turnover or downs or something. They never had to punt. They didn't need to. They just kept getting points, and there was no way for you to catch up. Yeah, and that, like that's that's why we haven't talked about the offense, and that's why anything like I know every got every player that they brought to the podium on offense was like, hey, we still have to it's our job to outscore them. And yeah, Goff said we got to score more points. Six. I don't know how many but, more points. But here's you can the score. thing. The offense literally never had a chance to take the lead in this game. Every single time they had the ball in their hands, they were down a touchdown or more. Every single time. So they could literally never take the lead with that possession unless they went for two, and they never did when when they, when they a two would have them take the lead. So you can't win a foot. Like, there's nothing an offense can do if every time they take the field, they are down a touchdown or more. It's Your defense this- sucks. It's it's just frustrating too because when I look at this this defense, it's not that, and I'm going sports talk and I'm going Neanderthal a bit. I don't see softness with this defense, but I just see uh, it it it's I don't know if undisciplined is the right word. I see an animal that wants to just run. They want to play high energy, get after people, and it's just you're being judo hip tossed. You're you're just you're 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 having your aggression used that, against you, and that somehow feels worse. That that's where, like, you can start throwing around. I don't want to take excuses, but at least some important context. Like, I think a lot of the things that you're seeing is youth, right? Yes, is no, it, that's absolutely a bunch of young true for players that are that are undisciplined. I think you can use that word fairly. It's, it's a bunch of guys that are like, okay, I've gotten by so far in my football career, just running like hell and crashing into people that it works well. When they pull the rug out from underneath you and go in the opposite direction, it doesn't work. And in fact, that's what they're, you, what you were doing is exactly what they are hoping that you do. And yeah, hopefully that gets better. And and this is why I'm not calling for anybody's head. This is why you always want to judge a coaching staff more so how they play in November than they do in September. But there are also a lot of things that haven't seen any improvement and might be, in fact, headed in the opposite direction. And so, like, yeah, red flags everywhere right now and it's really frustrating and it's not very fun to watch but i mean let, let's let's put down the it, it we barely got us in september we we don't need the pitchforks right now let's relax i don't know what else to add to that <laughs> well we'll try to fill out another 40 minutes and keep adding to it but i think we've got all our rage out and i'm sure it's going to come back because yes i do have aaron glenn in the notes and he seems to be the the one that people are bringing out the pitchforks for as jeremy said that they shouldn't and i agree with him losing jobs sucks and i don't know if aaron glenn's calling a bad game but at the same time that's something he can improve on if he is i don't I don't think it's at a point where it's like you should want him fired. But regardless, it's it's a results-driven league. We're going to talk about some players as well. We're going to get some there there's some positives from the offense I want to talk about, but it's just it's hard when we've got individual players in the defense we've got to talk about. So we'll talk about all that. We'll look ahead to the Patriots because suddenly that game looks scary for me all of a sudden, but I'm also a creature of panic. Uh, we are here to help you on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We'll be right back. But first, the Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. 
which uh, after this game, I'm going to have to eat the uh, voodoo chili Carolina Reaper to really make the pain go away. Uh, It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous felon jerky and meat sticks. They're available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef. That's really good beef, Black Angus. And prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Speaking of which, I just put in my new order, and I have to give it to Ryan. He told me at the start that turkey jerky was the best one. And um, yeah, I finally had it. It's insanely good. But I am going to eat these Reapers just because I want to make pain on myself after watching this game. Uh, Go to RighteousFelon.com. We are done with September, but we've got a new promo code for you. Use the discount code POD15 at checkout. Get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at just RighteousFelon.com. Welcome back to the Grim Hollows, the Pride of Detroit POD cast, breaking down the Seattle game. Uh, I don't know how much further you can break down a steaming pile of feces, but damn it, we will try to do the stool analysis for you. I guess we should just jump off the top rope, since this is usually where we do good, the bad, and the ugly, take it to individual players, performances, and coaches, and just jump off the top rope on this. So, Jeremy, Ryan, very quick, easy question to you. Do you still have faith in Aaron Glenn? I do, but it's it's much less based in reality right now. Like it's 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 literal faith. It's it's faith that I like I've listened to that guy talk enough times. I've seen him relate to players. I've seen how players light up when when he says something to them that they've never heard before to know that he's a smart guy and a good coach. I don't know yet if he's a good defensive coordinator, though. And so that's the part where my faith is wavering. But I'm I'm going to cling to some some faith right now. And, and we do always have to continue to point out that this is a very young, very inexperienced. I think the defense. average the average age for the entire roster, I don't know about the defense self, the entire roster is between like, what, 24, 25 right. years. And that doesn't excuse average. everything because no, like, no. The, the, because the, as, yeah. as I've said, there, there's a, cor- a first time coordinator killing it on the other side of the ball they can say a lot of the same things it's dealing with a lot more injuries than Aaron Glenn is so yeah and the Seahawks and the Seahawks had plenty of rookies contributing in this game sure. too exactly they're they're an increasingly young team as well so their defense also blows though so yeah whatever um but yeah the the short answer to you is yes but it's getting thin you're 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 on thin thin ice here I do have less faith in Aaron Glenn than I did coming into this week, for sure. I mean, how could you not based on that performance? But I know, Jeremy, you just mentioned that, like, you know, the offense is humming along and they're pretty banged up, even more so banged up than the defense. Like, part of me just, like, kind of ran through the guys that they're missing and, like, they're really important players. 
like Tracy Walker is clearly a, a guy that they cannot easily replace. And, and that's a huge blow. And you think about just at, at different level, like Romeo Aquara, right? Like I know the lions hardly had him last year, but like, I think that he's a really big play. John Kaminsky, like the, the guy who plays that role, that big DN role for them, that that's an important piece. And right now that's what Austin Bryant, like what has Austin Bryant showed against like first string offense? Like, I, I mean, I know he was a preseason darling and he, and he made a ton of plays, but like what has he done in an NFL regular season game? Like, and that's no knock on him, but like, think about how many guys I just went down the depth chart before I got to Austin Bryant, like Julian O'Quara, like I, I know I'm getting out of the injuries, but now I'm just like pass rush. Like, I guess that's my big thing is like the lions cannot generate push and they cert they sure as hell can't do it with four guys. Like they need to bring an extra guy. Been complaining about that every week of the season. And I know people are like, Oh, well look at all the pressures. Well, I mean, if, if you have to send seven guys to get pressures, well, guess, I mean, you're sacrificing something there. And right. they, they did a really good job of, of highlighting those sacrifices today. Yeah. 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 It, it, it sucks, though. It sucks. Like, the faith that you do want to cling on to is, like, the first half against Washington. Like, what? I mean, was that just because Washington's terrible? It's starting like, to feel that, a lot more like that now that we've got for a quarter pole point of the season that it just seems I, like Washington's I think they only, a bad yeah, team. I, I think they only scored 10 points today against Dallas. Like, yes, they got blown out last week by Philadelphia, but like, I, I hate to do the stupid transitive property stuff, but like that first half against Washington is feeling so much more like a mirage than it is anything tangible, yeah. anything that's sustainable, anything that's repeatable. Like, you're not going to get three sacks from Aiden Hutchinson in a half. Like, cause right now I know he's kind of getting a lot of flack on Twitter and stuff, but like he's kind of, he's not doing a whole lot. It's, it's fair to be, I mean, listen, and I couldn't have been more wrong about Charles Harris. That dude has been completely just like this whole defensive front has to be the biggest disappointment on the team. Yeah. Of any unit. I'm not, not necessarily the worst, but biggest disappointment because there's still talent there for there's sure. Ali McNeil, for God's sake, like three weeks ago, Peter Schrager was Ali McNeil. You guys are going to learn his name. Ali McNeil. Well, no one's going to learn his name if, if he ain't doing anything. And if no one's helping him, I'm not saying he's playing poorly, but not making any game changing plays. Is he? No, no one is. Well, in, in the positive sense, there's a lot of game changing plays being made against the Lions defense. We we have to talk about the secondary. That bring I mean what Jeremy just said brings me exactly to one guy who helped to create some plays in the negative sense and I think this is where I I guess I pitched this to Ryan to start is that I I uh, talking about losing faith. I don't know if there's anything I can look towards last year and say that I hope to see that again from Amani Orwarie at this point. And I would dearly like to see it out of some more out of him because they really need that help in the secondary. I know how bad it is not having Tracy Walker out there, not having the safety help. And look, this is a bad matchup today for Jeff Okuda. He's going to have those bad matchups against the big physical guys like, like, like Metcalf, but Orwarie did no favors on the other side. 
none whatsoever. Oruwarie got beat for a touchdown that should have been, but Geno Smith just overthrew Tyler Lockett. Like, and that, the, that was one of like the line's three stops on the day. I know, <laughs> on right? Third down. Yeah. So, like, the other play though too is like it was almost like it was almost like just seeing double. It, it was almost like having deja vu because like there was that play that Geno Smith overthrew Tyler Lockett after um, he beat over warrior on a double move and he did it again. And like, just, it seemed like technique was terrible. Like wasn't flipping his hips the right way. Like got all turned around on, on these double moves. And like last week I was like, okay, I'm willing to give the guy a little bit of a pass because he's coming off a back injury. Like maybe he's not feeling hundred percent, but now Jeremy, do the lions have to look in a different direction for CB two? Are they hoping that like, are they hoping that the bye week brings Jerry Jacobs? Yeah, I mean he's pra- he's he's going probably going to practice this week, this upcoming week. I th- there's rumblings I'd about be... him maybe playing in the nickel though, and so I don't okay. I don't know how much that helps you there because it's not like Mike Hughes is playing particularly well. I, I I feel like we'd be hard pressed to see Jacobs like next week against New England. Like yeah, he probably needs more so. time than that. I would think so. Um, yeah, considering how how much they like getting their players acclimated and he didn't practice at all. God, do they have the like time that. though? Do they have the time with how bad Oruwari yeah, is I mean, playing just, right now, Jeremy? The bye week is is there, right? It, it feels yeah. it feels just like it makes sense if you're gonna make a change, do it right out of the bye week. Um but I, I mean I don't I don't know, man. They they still seem to have a lot of faith in Oruwari. Um I know Aaron Glenn said last week, you know, what we saw last week um against the Vikings was not typical out of him and and i think that's it's that's true fair. like right that's true he didn't have as many penalties today <laughs> no, that's true <laughs> um so no i i mean i don't think they're gonna be in any drastic but it, it, it is also worth pointing out that campbell like made kind of a speech in his presser today is just like i'm gonna dig deep here and we're gonna make some changes and Everything is on the table. Everything is on the table. And then he cut the, the one thing that doesn't seem on the table is like taking play calling duties away from Aaron Glenn because still very much trust Aaron Glenn. But personnel changes, maybe some coaching m- maneuvering. And, and I think that probably just means maneuvering in terms of duties rather than like we're going to fire someone or anything like that. Um, but yeah, change, changes are coming. And and I guess you can put Oruaria in that list, but problem is you don't have anyone else like we were we were just complaining about the you know will harris comes in for one play and then will harris gets beat big on one play okay so where where else are you digging here you want bobby price out there it's there's there's it's i think that's the hard part looking at the secondary is that there's no cavalry no there's there's nothing else you got the guys you came to battle with and that's all you've got that's all you've got I guess that also depends on how much you believe in Jerry Jacobs, though. Yeah, I, I, I that, that's, like I that's just keep such on this such podcast huge expectations. Like, right, you're putting everyone seems to be putting a lot of weight on that kid's shoulder when he just played like he played good for an undrafted rookie. He did not play good last year. Like I feel like we need to put those into two separate categories. Like, yeah, he played, wow, pleasant oh. surprise. We did not expect an UDFA to play this good. He also he, did not play good. Yeah, he played fine for a UD on the UDFA scale, not for a starting CB2 scale. Right. Like this is this is a lot to put on someone who's coming back mid-season from an injury. 
Like, I don't that's see true, it. That's true, too, right? Yeah, like, he's coming back from a torn ACL. It's not like, oh, okay, well, he's... I know torn ACL isn't as bad as Achilles and some other things, but it's also not just like, okay, you it's come It's not a walk in the park. Yeah. Damn. Like, it's... Like, what happens if he just bombs out after a couple games and he's trying to get used to the speed again? Like, people going to crucify him, too? I don't know. Like, you're running out of... We're running that, out of space. That's kind of what it feels like, though, Chris, right? Yeah. Like, he just... He hasn't he hasn't been out there long enough to get vilified. It's the whole no. Batman quote, right? No, it's it's the it's it's the well it's it's also the backup quarterback quote you know that the everyone's favorite person in town is the backup quarterback. Right. Why is that? Because the backup quarterback hasn't played yet. Who knows? Kellen Moore could be anything. Yes, Jeremy. He could nice. even be Matthew Stafford. Sorry. Right. Can can we talk about we talk about the good the offense? Yeah, now? yeah. Like, I, I, is there I, any I, other names on defense? I want to skip the linebackers. I, I don't want to even I, talk I, I about the linebackers. I do think it, I, I do think it's fair to start pointing the finger a little bit in Aiden's direction, right? Can we, can we at least admit that Aiden, like, I, I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm not saying the lines made the wrong pick or anything like that. I'm just saying a lot of us expected more out of him through four weeks and he's not getting it. We expected a lot of more immediate impact from the second overall pick. I I think that's fair for sure. I, I, I think, I think it also sucks that the second round pick hasn't played. Which one? Oh God! <laughs> well, it also sucks that it, you throw Kirby Joseph in there, and immediately it's—he was responsible that... for two touchdowns today. Yeah, not great. Only good if you're playing offense. Which, by Speaking the way, the Lions are really good at doing. <laughs> well, on on one hand, it's also the Seattle Seahawks defense. So, but I but still this, think, like, look, they're, this... they're stacking days, Chris. I know, but like I, I will say, this is the most points I've seen the Lions score since I, I ever, 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 ever. All right, and it just feels bad that we have all these high-scoring games and we keep coming back to just either the the little things the offense couldn't get done because they have to play perfect because they're dealing with a defense who can't stop a a September cold at all. So let's try to talk about the good. Let's try to talk about, and, and we'll get to the mixed bag too, because apparently I tried to bring up our, the quarterback and people got mad at me, but as the appetizer to that, can we talk about TJ Hawkinson? Yeah. Because I think I got a question very pressing on the post game and I don't know how to respond to it. I think it's premature, but watching how TJ Hawkinson played today, people are going to ask if that's enough for a new contract. I think my question is, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know that's a little much. I think my question response is, how much is Hawkinson beneficiary of just not having some of the usual suspects around? Because he was more involved. And that's good because I think he was thriving against Seattle. But I don't think he he I don't think he leads the team in, in receptions if you have St. Brown and Swift here. Yeah, well it's almost like him and St. Brown kind of occupy the same role. Like you, like it's almost like you've never seen them both be productive in the same room together. Like maybe they're the same person because Hawkinson missed that, that last, you know, set of games that Amon Ross started breaking out last year. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's because, I mean, remember last year when it was just like Jared Goff and, and TJ Hawkinson were best buds. Definitely like the, the kind of, you know, security blanket, all that sort of stuff. And then like Amon Ross started getting really good. And it's like, okay, you're my new security blanket. And now Amon Ra's gone. And guess what? First game out, TJ Oxton has a career day. Like, I don't think that's a that's a coincidence at all. 
Now they're both they're both good at the same role in very different ways, right? But I think TJ Hackinson shut a lot of people up, especially with a freaking eighty-eight yard play, which I didn't think. I mean, I did see a metric that say that you know, on that play, about seventy-five of those yards after completion was above expected, though. Right, the the but, yak above expected, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, which bro- fair? I mean, I've got to eat crow on that. I've got. To I, I would say, that. and if you made it specific to TJ Hawkinson, I think the yak is probably about one ex- expectation. So that I would call it eighty-seven yards <laughs> above expectation. Um, but yeah, like I mean, that's he had a fantastic game and made most of the catches thrown his way. Got a lot of separation, even you know his first touchdown. The very first catch he made was the thirty whatever yard touchdown. Where I, I I didn't see the replay, so I don't know how he got that wide open. Maybe it was just the, the scheme of the play, but very carefully, very carefully. Um, but other plays, he was he. I mean, he was the most open receiver and made a couple con- contested catch twos and and had yak. Like I don't know how you could have expected a better day out of him. Period. And as far as I remember, no huge lapses in in pass protection or or, or run blocking either. So I mean, that's a, a huge step in the right direction. And he, sh- I mean, he shut a lot of people up because. Him and, and Chark were like the two is just like, okay, why haven't these guys started going yet? And I think the answer was because there were other people that were doing just fine in the roles and now they can step up and like, that's promising. Cause okay. The lines have depth on offense and they certainly used all of yeah, it yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, hold on, finish that sentence. <laughs> offense. Offense. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Good news. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it sucks because it feels like it all gets it all gets used for not like it all just gets yeah. buried. It, it all it all ends up underneath the weight of a defense that, as you said, Chris, like can't stop a September cold. So like, I don't know. I, I like I like what Hawkinson was able to do today. I think Jeremy is spot on. Like it just so happened to be that, you know, down Amon Ra, down DeAndre Swift, down DJ Shark. Oh man no duh that there's going to be opportunities for TJ Hawkinson, but at the same time, dude made the most of his opportunities. So like, I don't know, like to, to answer Chris's question about like, is this enough to earn a contract? I know that's wild and stupid to think about, but like going forward, unless TJ Hawkinson is one of the featured pieces of your offense, what does he really bring to the table that makes him a player that you would pay who puts up, I'm not these kind of stats all the time, but like, you know, 80, 90, 100 yards a game, six, seven, eight catches a game, a touchdown. Like, if he's not going to do that because he's not going to make the opportunities, like, what does that mean for Hawkinson moving forward? Because clearly the Lions need all the money they can to spend on defense. That's that's how I bring the offense back to talking about how much the defense sucks. So I'm you're one just of, incapable of, of talking. A, a, I can't. A, a, even one-fifth of a segment dude. in a positive way after this game. <laughs> I'm trying. I, I do want to all trying. I do want to give a shout out to POD cast veteran Jamal Williams. Okay, like we no, have no, no. to. No, no, like no. Jamal's yeah, a like, dude, man. He's he's a dude. He's running angry the entire can't time catch. that game. He can't catch. He can't no, no. I, I I I think he's got to go borrow Amon Ross St. Brown's jugs machine. I he's not. But granted, that's not a role he's ever been asked to do before with his offense. <laughs> That 51 yard run was something I didn't think he Angry. was capable Dude, of. that stiff arm was that was nasty. But then but then he outran ran everyone else, which I, was, I know. I was like after he made that, I'm like, okay, cool. This is gonna be like a nice 20, 30 yard run. And I'm like, oh, no one's gonna catch him or come close. I'm like, 
Okay. What was the, line, what the Lions was more somehow impressive? have a fourth 50-yard run in, in this season already? That's insane. What was more impressive, though, the way that Jamal was able to maintain a separation or the way that TJ Hawkinson looked like he was going to get, like, eight or nine yards and go out of bounds? Right. And then and ended up with 81. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. That that was more impressive. That was certainly more unexpected. I, yeah. I thought there was a point where he, like, starts cutting across the field. I'm like, this is going to be a touchdown. <laughs> right. Like, and Hawkinson had another play like that in the red zone that he caught and, like, he just, mm-hmm. he reminds me of my diesel engine Passat that I used to have. Like, <laughs> you need to turn him on and let him warm up a little bit. And then he can really get going and moving. But, like, he has, like, and I think this speaks to, like, what you said, Jeremy. Like, he created more separation today because on that touchdown where he got so open, it was kind of like a rub route. And yeah. the linebacker, like, ditch responsibility also kind of, like, got taken out of the play. He was wide open. Like, TJ Hawkinson was getting schemed open. Whereas like usually it's Amon Ross St. Brown who's getting right. open, right? So like that that was the thing about Hawkinson today where I was like, <clears throat> okay, like this guy never creates separation. Right. Like I feel like he's always trying to make a contested catch. But today he was just the benefactor of you know becoming Ben Johnson's. I was gonna say, yeah. this this feels like another feather in his cap where it's just like he knows his personnel. Oh, dude. He know he yeah. knows Knocked he knows what's ex- today. interchangeable. He knows what's interchangeable. Knocked it out of the freaking park today, dude. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Like which what what was the Mikey stat? Did you guys see the tweet about how you know as soon as DeAndre Swift, DJ Shark, and Amon Ross St. Brown went out, like the Lions 60% lost percent of their it was like yeah. 58% of their offense. Right. What? They scored 45? I know the Seahawks are terrible, but and like I they they spread it around. Like I know we're talking about teaching. Jamal Williams by the way. Had a really yeah. good game. Jamal Williams had a really, really good game. I feel like Tom Tom, Tom Kennedy, Kennedy did, like which uh, God help really us. Here we go. In this game. Here we go with Tom he, Kennedy. He had, a, he had a fourth down catch. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had that big fourth down catch. Yeah. By the way, Jamal Williams first running back since 1997 to have for the Lions to have multiple touchdowns in a game. That's a wacky stat. Can you guess who that was in '97? <laughs> Don't don't you use my Twitter joke? How dare you? Hey, I was the one who came in the Twitter joke and offered. Um, I've already forgot the name of the '97 fullback. I've already forgot his name. I, I was going to commit it to memory because I was like, "That's such a good punchline," actually, <laughs> and I didn't. All right, we've got we've we're, we're over time for it, but I we we have to talk about Jared Goff. Yeah, it was the cipher that nobody can seem to figure out right now because. Look, I some I I'm seeing the lines being drawn right now with Lions fans, and I know where Detroit media is going to go with it because I've seen one side of attack, and you know some of us, granted, we've used it too about like if you're just looking at the box score, Jared Goff, great game. There's not a lot, and I mean it's hard for me to sit here and say when you throw when you th- throw four touchdowns in a game, 378 yards and play the way Jared got like, there's not too much to write home about where I'm upset about it. And yet at the same time, there are moments with Jared Goff that do drive you up the wall with the pick six, with the throw into triple coverage that could have absolutely been the backbreaker play of the, of the day. So I don't know. I help me, help me Ryan, Jeremy to evaluate Jared Goff, because I feel like even bringing those things up, riles up the other group of lions fans and immediately who immediately say why are you even bringing this up in the first place he's not the reason he uh, we're losing in fact he's the reason we're in the game because i i feel like i feel like the fair evaluation of jared goff has gone out the window 
completely. It's battle lines have been drawn. I I, I want to be the first one to admit that Jared Goff really isn't going to be the reason that you're going to lose a lot of football games. Like he's not going to be the reason that you're going to lose a lot of football games. And he's certainly not the reason the lions lost today. I know that he threw that pick six to start the half and that could have been the end of the game, but you know, also could have been the, the end of the game when the lions weren't able to push their way in from a yard out just before half. Like if the lions wouldn't have scored a touchdown there, I would have felt just as bad as I felt <laughs> after got through the pick six to start right. the half. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but what I can't like, what I can't say about Jared Goff is like, he's going to be the reason that the lions are going to win a lot of games. Like that's not, but that isn't really something that he can control. Like I, it it sounds so dumb and so rudimentary to say like that wins are like a team stat, but like how, how is Jared Goff going to, how is any quarterback going to, win today's football game for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> score 51. <laughs> yeah, just easy. Just score 51. Yeah, have, just, have, just come on, Jared Goff, score 51 points. Have Nick Ballore actually hand you that onside kick. Here, you can have it. Go score because this is the only way you're getting the football is <laughs> getting the ball turned over on special freaking teams. No, listen, I, I thought Jared Goff had a pretty good day today. I, I think, I think, I mean, he, he, made, he made Jared Goff mistakes though. He you know did. what I mean? Like right. he, he did and the listen, Jared Goff thing, and like I was more. I got the Lions to where they're at right now, right? Jared I was more shaking. Sure. I was more shaking my head about the triple coverage throw, just because we've seen him scamper for it. He had a wide field open right in front of him. But Do again, you, I it, that's still a nitpick to me. You're going to have right. those regardless of who you <clears> are. It's just that, it, like as as Ryan said, it feels like if you're Jared Goff and you want to be the reason this the team wins a game, you've got to pitch a perfect game. Right. And he's he's not capable of no, pitching no, a perfect I game. I don't and, think anyone is. He's he's still not I, I still think he gets like the Seahawks were actually pretty effective at find like somehow getting a free blitzer a lot. And as soon as Jared Goff saw that guy, like he immediately goes to his check down. And in, in some cases, like, okay, well that's that's a low risk play, fine. You're you're gonna get one yard out of it or an incomplete pass. Whatever. You're not turning the ball over. That you had more problems with turning the ball over last year. Haven't turned the ball over a whole ton. This year, some of that is probably going to get regressed to the mean because there's been at least three or four dropped interceptions that absolutely should have been interceptions this year, whatever. But like, if we're going to give Ben Johnson all this credit for making, you know, lemon out of lemonade, whatever, or lemonade out of lemon, um, you have to give golf the same credit because like Ryan, you and I went into this game, like talking about, I don't know if we talked about it on first spider, maybe I was talking with someone else, but I was concerned, like, okay, well, this is Jared Goff with a receiving core that was kind of like where it was at the beginning of last year. Are we going to see Jared Goff turn into check down Charlie? And for the first quarter, we kind of did. And I was like, oh, God, that premonition turned out to be true. But <laughs> yeah. then he he got a lot better. And I think the I, Lions I feel, got a lot more aggressive, too. Right. And they did. And why, why – you know, the, the deep shot into triple coverage was a bad play, but I'm not going to hate on it because this is a guy who's playing from behind the entire game. And he, he has that extra pressure on his shoulder, knowing like big plays are going to have to come from somewhere. Right. And that they have to score in a hurry. They have to score in a hurry. They have to continue to score. They can't, you know, they can't waste a single opportunity. He's throwing it 40 times a game, which no one wants. Jared Goff doesn't want to throw the ball 48 times a game. He doesn't. I bet he'd tell you that. Um, and so, you know, 
they're pinning their ears back. Like the Lions were just never in an advantageous situation on offense. And Jared Goff still got them into some pretty good situations, despite the fact that he faced a lot of third and longs, despite the fact that they had to throw the ball a ton. You know, he, he did get help from again a, a pretty efficient running game, but I I like I think you have to give this like a BB plus performance for him because outside of the pick six, no egregious errors and fairly accurate passes all day. Avoided a lot of pressure too. Only sacked once. So his like his that. feet continued to somehow get better. I don't understand yeah. it, but I like it. Yeah. By the way, I completely botched up the Jamal Williams stat. I should correct myself so I don't okay, have I was gonna to say it sounded very weird that no, I'm I'm sorry. So he was the third different Lions player to produce 50 plus yard rush this season. This is their fourth rush of 50 plus yards this year, the most they've had in a season since 1997. I'm an idiot and I just didn't want to edit that out of the podcast. So I wanted to correct myself. <laughs> there you go. We're all tired. I apologize. My notes weren't up to my, my notes were adequate. When we come back on the pride of Detroit POD cast, I guess the big question is how we've diagnosed a lot of problems in the patient, Dr. Dr. Reisman and Dr. Matthews. And the only question I have is how much this can really be fixed for the Patriot before lions have to hit the road to pay with the Patriots who are suddenly very excited about a new quarterback they got to unveil today for who's just literally the same person as Mac Jones. If you look at him, like literally looks the same. We'll be right back on the pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit POD cast finishing up this, the, uh, the show a little worse for wear at this point. I think this day has taken a lot out of all of us in various different degrees. None more so than our fearless leader who has refused to read reviews because he can barely keep his eyes open. So that's accurate. Yeah. Let's do this real quick. And I've just got one question for both of you. And I feel like I should start with Ryan because I feel like I've, I at least owe it to him to start on this one. We're looking ahead to the Patriots. How much this situation on defense could be shored and fixed up by this time next Sunday? Or is it just going to be a case that the Lions are just going to have to pray that they're, that the matchup against the Patriots is more in their favor? I think it's the latter. I think that I don't think that there's a whole lot that the Lions can do right now in season at this point to really shake things up on defense a whole lot. I really don't like, I, I I don't want to give any credit to their personnel right now because the players aren't playing. And, and to that point, like what you said, Chris, about the Patriots, like I think the lions in order for them to feel like they have a shot next week, the Patriots have to play into as Jeremy mentioned earlier, the lion's strength and that's stopping the run. And I, I, I think if they have a relative strength on defense, it's stopping the run relatively speaking, because yeah, it, it got gashed today, like in, in some, in some dumb, stupid ways. But I think if you go back and you watch a lot of that, a lot of those plays again, like they're silly situations like the third and 16 and the draw play. And, um, you know, I, I, 
I have to think that if there is a relative strength of this team, it's stopping the run and the Patriots are going to want to run the football and hopefully they play right into the lion's hands. But like Bill Belichick's a guy who's going to play the matchups. He really is. And you know, the, the Patriots are the number one rushing DVOA team in the NFL going into this week. And they carved up the, the Packers pretty good, but Bill Belichick is just a guy who plays matchups and the matchups are going to be advantageous in the passing game for the Patriots. And I don't care if it's Bailey Zappi. I don't care if it's Brian Hoyer. I don't care if it's Mac Jones. Like they're going to get that guy ready. And who, who, who are we to say that that guy's not going to play well against this Lions defense, Jeremy? Who are, who are we to say? Yeah. <clears throat> Can't, I mean, I, I wish I could sit here and, and say like, okay, there's, there's going to be a, a Renaissance like there was with the offense where they, they all huddle like, I feel like that's how Dan Campbell's kind of trying to sell it right now. He's like, all right, we're going to have a little powwow. We're going to figure things out. We're going to sit down. We're going to really look at ourselves. We're going to really look at our players and we're, 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 we're going to change stuff. And they did that last year and it fixed the offense, but I'm not, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't see that happening with the defense. The de- The defensive problem has been there since the beginning. It wasn't good last year. They didn't fix it. It's not good this year. They haven't fixed it. And I don't, I don't know what I can say here. I don't know what they can even do there. That'd be like, okay, well, they're they're fixing the problem. the The only thing you could say is it's it's just it's their younger players getting better. And this this is the thing we say at the it, we said last year. I think we said at the beginning of this year, like these young players. The one thing you want is for them to be playing better in November than they did in September, and that still stands. And and hopefully you get there. Um, but it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, I think I think the main difference between this and the offense last year too is just yeah, it's as you say. There's like a lot. There was a lot more talent on the offense that they were clearly playing below their capacity last year. This time, there's just limits to how much a a defense can really grow in a in a given year like this. And I mean, there's I don't I don't think there's this young bright defensive mind waiting in the wings that and and listen and I want to reiterate like this this. Dan Campbell doesn't think the same way of Aaron Glenn that he does Anthony Lynn. And it's, I mean, you, you can, I, I think it's worth pointing out. Like there's maybe a little favoritism here, right? He's, he, he worked with Aaron Glenn for five years. He's very comfortable. He knows who Aaron Glenn is. He likes him a lot and probably knows him a lot better than we do and knows how smart he is. And, and hopefully he also knows his weaknesses. And that's, that's the key right there. So I don't, I I I think it's I think it's acceptable to be worried that he might be overloyal to someone like Aaron Glenn, but at the same time, it is also still too early to completely panic about Aaron Glenn. So it it's just it, it it's one of those things I like to say, keep in the back of your mind, like, okay, Dan Campbell is very is going to be very loyal to Aaron Glenn because he likes him a lot. He didn't have that same relationship like I, there was some sort of background with Anthony right like they, there was overlap somewhere but not on the same level that is that he is with Aaron Glenn so um, you just have to wonder like how how long a leash is he going to give him and is it going to be longer than than maybe a, a just a normal other coach that he doesn't have a long relationship with yeah I don't um, <clears throat> for me I just I wonder I just don't think there's a lot that can be fixed. And it's unfortunate because we're looking and it's causing a lot of pessimism among Lions fans because this was the bridge 
where I think people thought that the Lions would get through this part of the season or at least 500, maybe, maybe with, I, I don't know. It, it feels, it feels like between the fact the Vikings game came close that going into this week, if you had picked up the win against the Seahawks and suddenly the Patriots are playing discombobulated and you, pr- you maybe catch the Cowboys before Dak Prescott's back, that suddenly things are looking good for you before you hit the really hard stretch of the, of the calendar. And instead, the Lions are coming out of their quarter pole at one and three. And that's just going to cause a lot of people to throw in the towel, to go for the cider mills, as you say, and demand that we start working on mock drafts for, I don't even think they want a quarterback now. I think some people are just really wanting to double down on defensive talent. No, I can't even. We're not doing that. We're not. Yeah. No. <clears throat> we're, not talking def- we're not talking drafts right now. We just got no. to October. I also don't think the season is nowhere near its full completion, like in shape at this point. I expect the de- the defense to still be abysmal, but I think there are chances, especially come the bye week, to try to rectify some of the aggression on the play calling. Because that's really, I, I think, the main key is just these zero blitzes, the 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 aggression has just burned the Lions very badly in this game. I think I think their biggest goal right now should be how can we generate pressure with four four guys? Yes. Because no, that can un- that can unlock so much. And and I do think they have the talent. And I just I don't know if they're using it the right way. I know there was there was some concern with Aiden, right? He was so successful. I mean, he was a guy that didn't have a lot of sack numbers, didn't have a lot a lot of pressures early in his career because he was down with his fingers in the dirt. And then they stood him up. And he ran all over the place, and he was much better. And doing a lot more stuff in the dirt here, and and maybe that's one thing that they think about is just moving him around a little bit more. And they they do move him a lot inside and outside in different situations, but just have him stand up a little bit more. That's what he was so comfortable with and, and so successful doing. Not saying that's going to fix every problem, but you're you're a coaching staff that prides itself on putting players in their best positions maybe start doing that a little bit better because I, I I don't know if they are doing that. If, if they have the talent that they have on the defensive front that I think they do, if they have the talent, you know, with, with some of these linebackers that are playing better, put them in better positions to win. Like I, I, I don't think Charles Harris was a fluke last year. I don't think the, like, I don't think Ali McNeil is getting used to his best, like, I don't know. It feels like his role right now is just to plug space to let the linebackers run free. But he's a weapon in and of itself. And I feel like that's not being utilized enough. So um, I, I feel like that's going to be part of the big conversation that they're having in the next week or two. Or, But I think you're right, Chris. Like, I think a lot of these big changes, you, you can't make, you can't turn them around in one week. You can't have them ready for for new england next week i think that's something that maybe you're looking on the other side of the bye week when the lines face dallas yeah and that's just a harder test than new england you felt it felt that a few weeks ago like you could catch new england while they're going through this awful thing where they're still trying to figure out who's even calling their damn plays yeah and i don't know i'm not going to take anything away that they took the patriots to overtime i think each week is unique and different and weird especially in this in this Year's edition of the NFL. Like right. it feels like there's nothing we can take week to week sometimes with certain teams. 
I feel like for us, for the Lions, we can definitely take certain things week to week, especially with how the defense is playing. But for a lot of other teams, we go out there and we say things like, hey, they look, you know, like the Bills took one loss and suddenly everyone had to immediately start backpedaling off of their takes that this was the greatest team ever. Like it's just it, it it's what happens in the NFL when you're not nose deep in one specific team yeah. that you take assumptions from how a team looks against other teams. And that's like, we, we, we keep bringing up the rock, paper, scissors. This is a league where you just got to throw down what you have and you hope that paper will be their rock. And unfortunately for lines, that's all you can really do. You have no time to develop a scissors attack right now. That has to be for the bye week. I, I think it's important to take stock too. Like you said, Chris, right now that we're at the quarter pole and the lions are one in three. And I think what is most upsetting about this loss is this is, and I think we talked about this on first by Jeremy, but like this was the first game where it felt like the lions should beat a, uh, like a, a worse team than them. Forgive me I'm wrong. This is a, when was the last time the lions were favored? Cause they were favored by nearly a touchdown in this game, Ryan. <clears throat> it's well, been a minute to, to begin the week. They were. What? It, it was their biggest. They, it was, it's funny going back to this. Now it's most, they were favored in an opening line since Monday night football against the jets. Wow. That was a while ago. That was a while ago. Yeah. Did that one didn't go so well either. No, it didn't. Um, pivot. Um, I, I guess my point, my point is that this was a game that it felt like the Lions should win even more so than the commanders game. Like, but then it was like a whole week. You know what I mean? It it was injuries. It was, oh man, Lions offense is going to be so hampered. I told the Seahawks podcast. I expected Amon Ra to play and he didn't because it looked like the middle of the week that he was totally going to come back from this. Yeah. I don't know, it, but, but here's the thing: that ended up not even being a problem. No, 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 it didn't. Problem at all. That that didn't be, you know, that that didn't end up being the problem at all whatsoever. So, like, that's why it felt like, oh, the Lions are gonna they're gonna be able to outscore Seattle, and their defense will be good enough. Like, Seattle's not, you know, they're not, you know, setting the world on fire when it comes to offense until they play the Lions. Until they yeah. play the Lions, and they do set the world on fire. They score more points than they've scored all season. 47 in three games, 48 against the Lions. That's all she wrote. Yeah, and it sucks because like... I, I feel the energy coming out of this building. Like, because once again, it's another year where I knew rough sledding was going to be here and I expected some negativity if they didn't put things together. And Jeremy, Ryan, we were all sitting here. And Jeremy, I think you were the one to break the glass and say six and 11 for the prediction. And I knew that was going to be rough on people. But once again, the Lions find ways to make, even though we know they're going to be bad, they still may find ways to really make it hurt. And I think it, it, in this particular case, it just hurt a lot because of how just, I, I try to use, I'm trying not to use the word Sisyphean again. I like, I like that word too much, but that's what happened with this team. Like nothing they were doing, rolling that ball up the hill with the offense was just, everything from that just gets undone by the ball rolling back down because the defense has come out and play the other half of the game. And again, looking, I, this segment was supposed to be about looking to new England. I don't have any solutions right now. And I think that's the part that sticks everyone in the, in the quagmire the worst. It's like, there's no easy solutions here. 
cross your fingers and pray, train and eat your vitamins. Because there's part of me that is like already looking past the Patriots game to the point that you made, Jeremy. Like, I don't think any big sweeping changes are going to be made in one week. Like, I I think it's going to take like a whole week to install stuff. Yeah. And plus, I feel like like I'm looking forward to the bye week. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. I feel like we've been kind of looking forward to the bye week for a while now and mostly because the injuries, right? Like, Jamal can come back and Pascal can come back and Jerry Jacobs can come back and Amon Ra. Because now it's starting to feel like. Those guys, maybe maybe we just shut them down so that they're they're full health. Like offense, especially the offensive guys. Like maybe we can keep our head above water here. Although now with Cephas also injured, it's just like I think Reynolds got banged up a little bit at one point. He did. He came back, but yeah. I mean, by the way, but um, so so did Chark and uh, what's his name last week? And then by the way, biggest tease in this game, Metcalf going off on the cart. Let's learn he really had to take a dump. He took the cart back, too. When you have a cart, you use the cart. I can't appreciate that. I think that's where we're going to end it. Talking I was about... gonna I was gonna say real quick, do you have a guess on the on the the, the Patriots line? I know it, so <sighs> so play. it's in New England. Uh yeah. Patriots minus uh six and a half. I'll say minus five and a half. See, you guys are too emotional. Patriots and two, and half. And two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Relax. That, they, that, that number is going to grow. Not no. Maybe. Yes. <clears throat> I'm just yes. saying. Let's not let's not look at one individual performance like this and be like, that's who the lines are. Because we, if we did that for each of these four games, we'd have four different very four very different Lions game Lions for, teams for oh, that's for fair. sure. the The Lions also played a very competitive game where they were six point underdogs to the Minnesota Vikings. So minus five and a half for the Patriots isn't me like throwing in the towel. It's me just it's saying also, it's right. also in New England. Yeah, should be favored. It, in it's New in New England. England. So I started with three, and I just kind of. Threw a few points on there just because I, I, I think part, uh, that line is going to shift depending on what their quarterback situation is. Absolutely. The, the health of both teams, right? Yeah. Like, which is weird because like getting Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift back healthy, if that theoretically happens, shouldn't like impact. <laughs> like the only thing that should do is be like, oh, okay, I can safely bet on the over in this game. <laughs> I, I was about to, I was about to ask Jeremy, I'm far more interested in what they set the total at, at opening here for that game. Whatever the Lions have been over. slamming the over nonstop. 47 only. Oh. Lions God. might hit that on their own. <laughs> and, yeah. and still lose. <laughs> and still lose. All right. You did it. Not me. Not me. I didn't do that. All right. 5148 next week. We've got a long season ahead. And I'm glad we've got the gallows humor working in prime time fashion. Lions don't play in prime time, but our gallows humor does. So join us next time in the Pride Detroit POD cast where we will absolutely be trying to uh, I will absolutely be trying to put on a smile to uh, help you help everyone out. In the meantime, we've got plenty coming up this week. We've got first bite later in the week to preview. We've got the mailbag with Eric and, and Jeremy plenty to do. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you follow us on Twitch. As always, this has been the Pride Detroit POD cast. And we'll see you star side.
Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.